what's in your edible? How, what's the dosage? Where did you buy it from? Can I swear? I can swear on this, right? Cannabis mentorship is really different. Cannabis. <laughs> All right, welcome to another great episode of the Dre and Smiley podcast, The Inner Circle. Dre, I'm super stoked because we have Sarah Tupper with us. She's a founder, Sarah Jane, co-founder, Ash Lounge, maven of man management from the minor to most major details, social circle stretcher, former hockey player who's never lost her sharpness and competitive edge. I don't think I've ever met a lady soccer player, and I'm so excited. Is it soccer hockey. or hockey? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hockey. Yeah. Awesome. Hockey. Yeah. Awesome. It's ice hockey, like, and people always assume yeah. field hockey, and I'm like, no, no, no. That's intense. She's a proud mom of a band of kind boys. As an instrumental player in the hospitality scene, Sarah has developed various varied event programs, grown a huge network of collaborative vendors, and provided both strategic planning, project management, and consultant, consultant to diverse network of clients. A lifelong cannabis enthusiast, Sarah established a Michigan-based woman-owned and operated cannabis lifestyle brand in 2020. She continues to create deep relationships in leading cannabis operators, entrepreneurs, and women-led brands nationally. Sarah understands what makes Midwest women special and unique and has dedicated the next part of her career to building event programming for cannabis curious women with a focus on cannabis driven hospitality and operations. And that is such a cool uh, bio. And, and, and there it is. The question I want to start off with is to tell our listeners about the ice hockey. Was it professional? Was it college or Ice hockey, the cannabis. How it was? How did I know, that go? Right? You never. Um, interesting skill set. Um, no, I I'm a Midwestern girl, so I grew up like in the '90s here in Michigan, and there's not a lot to do here, you guys, in the winter. So you have to like kind of embrace like the weather and get sporty and be creative and expend some energy. So I grew up, um, my dad is a lifelong hockey player and athlete. And I learned how to skate when I was really little. And I learned like outside on a pond, I played with the neighborhood and I really wanted to be a figure skater when I was a little girl so badly. Um, but my body, my attitude, um, my whole vibe was definitely more tailored to ice hockey than it ever was to figure skating. So once I put on a pair of hockey skates and I started moving quicker and being able to like, kind of, you know, throw, throw some weight around and like, yeah, out and like move fast. Right. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I get how fun this is. So. I played travel ice hockey in, you know, all through my youth and through high school, um, dabble a little bit in club hockey in college because back in the day there wasn't a women's team to play for. 
Um, and female athletics have, mm -hmm. you know, matured immensely in the past 25 years. So, um, but yeah, I grew up and I loved it. And now I have three kids and nobody plays hockey. So. What? Oh. <laughs> They're missing out, it sounds like. Yeah, I still get to go skating every year on my birthday. All my, all my dudes take me, and it's still one of my most favorite things to do. So, yes, I mean, athletes, yeah. I love sports. I love being outside. I love moving around. I like action. I'm a fast walker. I'm a fast talker. I'm a fast mover. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for telling us about that, uh, your hockey experience. But now if we could move into Ash Lounge and your cannabis experiences, can you give us just a umbrella elevator pitch about that? Yeah. I am, as my bio stated, a pretty much a lifelong cannabis enthusiast. And I have dabbled in cannabis consumption in one method in one way or another through most of my young adult in adult life, let's say. Um, and I just started to notice here in the Midwest that as I was getting older as a female, I was using cannabis differently. And I was really starting to reframe my thoughts on what this plant can do for people and for women specifically. Um, so I really took a dive into the legal cannabis space when it was legalized here in Michigan and really just started to examine and look at like, how can we talk to women who might be interested in introducing cannabis into their life and don't necessarily know who to ask, where to go, how to ask questions, how to read a label, how to shop for it. And most of our lives, we've been told that it's illegal. You'll go to jail. It's a gateway drug, you know, all of these things. And, and you start to really, you know, unravel some of that education that you've gotten as a youth about a lot of things that have happened in this world yeah. and in this country. And you really start mm. taking a deeper dive into that and questioning a lot of things. And that's how I got involved in the cannabis industry. I just thought, there's no one here talking to women in the Midwest about how to do this, how this helps, how it affects your body, um, how you sleep better, how you rest better, better sex, wellness, holistic, um, and how to integrate that into your life. And it's not, it's not what we think, what we grew up to believe thinking that it is. And that's a hard message to tell women, you know, who are totally okay with having four glasses of Chardonnay at a play date or with their girlfriends mm -hmm. or, you know, on a Thursday night because they've had a really stressful day. It's really been an interesting dialogue for me, um, given the demographic that I fall into, mid-40s, mom of three, living in the suburbs. Um, you know, rocking out, watering my plants and 
using my vape pen. So <laughs> I mean, kind of had to have this like conversation with myself. That's like, you've got to be an open book, right? Like if you're going to be involved and you want to do this the right way and you want to educate women and you want to show people how you use plant medicine, how you integrate it into your health and wellness routine, like got to be really open about it. You got to be willing to answer all the questions. No questions are dumb. And I became just kind of this approachable person that people started engaging with and asking questions. And that's really how my interest in the cannabis industry got started. Two questions before I turn it over to Andre. One is, um, do you find that ladies use gummies, edibles, or the the pipe or they smoke it or there is it is it a larger person would you say more men eat edibles or gummies versus women or it's just all over the board there's really no segregation you like know, that it's a really that's a really interesting question because i think that for women edibles seem to be a really comfortable introduction back into something that they may or may not have experimented with when they were younger. So I hear a lot of people say, oh my God, I smoked pot one time and I felt like crap. I could, and I'm like thinking, okay, well, let's talk through that, right? Where did it come from? Who did you get it from? What were you doing in combination with that? How many drinks have you had? Where were you? How old were you? How much had you eaten that day? So like there are so many variables, but I do think that women are more comfortable, I would say in the edibles category, another category that women, especially in my demographic, right? I can speak for kind of my demographic of kind of cannabis mom, cannabis advocate. Um, super can mom. <laughs> love it. Love it. can mom. <laughs> I love it. I love That's it. Call us, you guys. Um, okay. Also, okay. A huge market that I think is really untapped here in Michigan that has started to take, to take off in a few other markets is beverage. I think cannabis infused beverages mm -hmm. is another really comfortable way right like people are really comfortable with that consumption method they can kind of feel like they can better compare it to maybe some other experiences that they've had before but yeah i would say that that's a really comfortable and kind of safe entry point is an edible um but that also begs the conversation to discuss what's in your edible What's the dosage? Where did you buy it from? Um, there are just so many variables in cannabis consumption that I think people mm. first need to kind of educate themselves on their comfort level on all of that and what they're looking for out of the experience, right? Because if you're mm. looking for something different Right. If I'm looking for like a relaxed, like social, vibey, hangout, backyard bonfire, kind of kicking back and hanging out, being a little giggly, maybe my kids are in bed, or maybe it's like date night with right. friends. Like I might yeah. do something totally different and a totally different method than if I were 
wanting to sit down and focus on answering my emails, putting away laundry, vacuuming the house, you know, getting right. my chores done. You know, what's interesting is as I hear you talk about this, Sarah, it's, it's, it's not too different from what most people do when they're trying something new. The first thing that comes to mind is when I, was, when I started working out when I was in college, there were different supplements, you know, creatine, things like that. And the key was understanding, you know, how it impacts your body, what kind of results where you have, things like that, and speaking with someone to kind of guide you through it. And I, I want to learn from you how, what, what path you took in terms of finding, I don't know if it was a mentor or someone that kind of, and you early on in your journey to discovering cannabis and its benefits and then moving a step forward and sharing those benefits with others and helping them uh, uh, have a good understanding of, you know, the, the impact and this is for this, this is for that. Tell me about who, who kind of guided you early on in your path to understanding. Because first is that curiosity. Mm-hmm. And then ideally there's someone or something some resource you go to that kind of helps you, you know, make an intelligent set of decisions as you move along your, your journey. Tell me about, you know, your mentor or your resources or whatever you use, or was it trial and error? Um, it was making a, can I swear? I can swear on this, right? You can swear on okay. here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 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 Be yourself. Yeah, I know. Well, I just like, you know, his spent the last hour playing hide and go seek. And then I was like, I gotta go. Uh, Um, So (laughs) I would say that, you know, cannabis mentorship is really different in this space. And I found out very, very quickly um, that a lot of my experience in both finding people who aligned with my mission my values, what I believe, who I'd like to work with, who I trust was process of elimination. Um, I found a lot of people very, very early on. And, you know, I get it too. Like looking back, I was really kind of innocent and I wasn't super cognizant of, of a lot of the things that went into this industry. And I, mm. I kind of look at it as like, have you guys seen the movie Legally Blonde? Like Elle yes. Witherspoon? Like yeah. when she decides yeah. to go to law school, she's just like, well, like, I'm just going to go. Like, it's hard. Like, I'll just do it. And I very much have that right. attitude at the beginning. Like, well, like, how hard can this be? Like, I've worked a long time. Mm. I have a diverse you know, background of skills and like, I love cannabis and I totally believe in its medicinal properties and its benefits for women. Like how hard can this be? I'm just going to work in it. You know, well that, that was wrong. Mm, right. Um, cannabis is mm. probably the hardest, it is the hardest industry with the most difficult people and the most difficult sets of rules and regulations and policies and procedures that I have ever encountered in my life. Is that why it's hard? Because of all the policies and procedures? Is that what makes it hard? Or is it because it's cutthroat? I think it's, well, it's a combination of a lot of, from my lens and what I learned very quickly was that a lot of the people kind of in the upper echelon of this industry aren't 
either aren't consumers, don't understand, and aren't embedded in any of the cannabis culture, the conversations, the community, um, all of the policies and procedures, this rhetoric, the miseducation of cannabis, like for society, and just don't have a clear lens on what's actually happen, happening kind of on the ground floor. And I think that it was one of those industries that looked like really bright, really shiny, like next best thing, like, oh my gosh, like, let's do this. Right. Let's make a switch. Let's transition. Let's just make it cannabis, you know? And then we'll make a ton Ooh. of money and then we'll sell our company and then we'll be rich, right? And when that doesn't happen Ooh. as quickly as people anticipate or when there's roadblocks in getting legislation passed or banking roadblocks or advertising and social media roadblocks or just being able to distribute your products in a way where it's unlike any other industry, right? So mm. when your first mm -hmm. when your state first becomes recreationally legal, sure there are few, like there are other markets you can look at, but you really have no idea what's going to happen because because each market's different. Each market's different. They all have their different rules, they all have their different brands, mm. they all have their different people. And the larger companies that have spread throughout all of the cannabis markets, they don't give a shit about me. They don't. I mean. Right, right. All, all they care about is the bottom line. They really don't care about the, 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 the consumer as, as a whole necessarily. It sounds like, like that's part of what you're saying. Um, it, it, since you've been in the business, you've, you've obviously acquired a lot of knowledge, right? Tell me about what you're doing now as it relates to um, – your own business business venture. Absolutely. This is a part I'm excited about. Um, so as a hospitality professional and event planner and um, project manager, I really was interested in the landscape of cannabis from a hospitality, from an entertaining, from a social consumption um, perspective. And it was really interesting. It still is very interesting to me that Michigan is a space where cannabis is recreationally legal, right? Meaning that you can walk in and purchase that if you're above the age of 21. And there is not that many places or spaces where you can engage in your cannabis consumption socially or with other people. So, yep, that's great. That's super great that I can go home and I can sit on my porch and I can smoke and that I can be in the privacy of my own home and I can have friends over. But really, we are all working so hard to destigmatize this plant and really change people's perceptions on how you engage with cannabis and what that looks like and how all of these messages that you've been given your whole life are actually false. How can we do that if we don't create inclusive, diverse, safe places where people can meet up, they can consume, they can host a meeting, 
They could host a sales meeting. Where are all of these companies that are looking for being able to host a product demonstration or a new product launch? And it's like, don't you want to be able to use your product? Don't you want to be able to give it out? Don't you want people to be able to experience it? Don't you want firsthand feedback from a diverse group of consumers? Are you looking for a space to learn more about cannabis consumption? Great. Are there places that we can have authors come and do book readings and uh, have a safe space for people to learn? Can we host a concert where people, where it's comfortable and legal to be able to consume cannabis socially? How do we build this infrastructure of destigmatizing cannabis if we have no place to use it, right? So that's where I really dove in and started doing some research in this industry. And in that process, in that process of elimination, right, of like, nope, I don't want to work with you. Nope, you're an asshole. Nope, you don't understand my mission and vision or you want to just commodify it and take community out of it. And that's not going to work. I found Andrea. And I would like to think that we are, we were both at that point, like a lot of PTSD, a lot of bad choices, a lot of bad people, a lot of learning. And she, it, Ash Lounge is her idea and was her baby. And she pitched it to me. And I went into this meeting thinking, I'm going to have coffee with this awesome woman. I don't know her. I'm just going to like the more the merrier. I'll meet anyone for coffee. And by the end, I was like, I will help you do this. We're fucking doing it. Let's go. Wow. I got it. I'm all. Wow. I support you. I see yeah. your vision. I understand where this can go. There is no place for women. And we are such different women that if this resonates with us, and this has got to resonate with a greater community. So tell me this, Sarah. So let's say I have a million dollars. Heck, let's make it $10 million. Let's say I'm looking, looking um, to invest it somewhere. Uh, I, I have a general sense of the concept, right? It's an area for community, right? To help champion community and, and people can come in and, and, you know, enjoy cannabis in, in the many different ways it can be enjoyed, whether it's sampling it and that sort of thing. But give me, give me a, um, a reason why the community would come to your lounge um, to, you know, to, to, to do that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Is it because you're the only one that's doing this? Is it because what, 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 what makes your lounge the, the, the place I would want to come to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that that is a multi-leveled response for me um, and for the way I like to support people and give money to people. I'm always very concerned and want to do my research on who is the owner of the company and how am I empowering other people. So I look at that even when I purchase cannabis. Oh, this is a black female owned grow you are much more likely to see me purchasing cannabis products from people that I want to support, that I want to empower, and that pay it forward. 
Um, so part of that for Andrea and I is that we are really, really working on establishing our infrastructure, meaning anyone we engage with, hire, pay, collaborate with, partner with, are all looking to be right now women, women of color and LGBTQ+. So we have found a vast network of incredible people who really, really believe in support and really feel strongly, as I do, that this industry will change and it will start to become very important to consumers as they educate themselves more and more who they're giving back to, who they're giving their dollars to, and how that can further empower people in this industry and in this community. So that's number one, um, female-owned, female-founded. The second thing that I think Andrea and I have that differs quite vastly from a lot of people that are in the hospitality space is experience, right? We've done this. We've done this for people in the kind of non-cannabis world as well. So more traditional mainstream hospitality. I have 10 years of catering and event planning experience. I have restaurant sales and event planning experience. I'm a, still a wedding planner and a corporate event planner and a food and beverage and menu consultant on the side, right? We all have a side gig that's cannabis because no one's making any money, no matter what they tell you. No one's making any money with side gigs. Um, as we nurture these babies, these startup babies, into hopeful, hopefully becoming bigger. Um, so that's something that differs vastly. And I also think for me, a huge part of that experience is comfort and ambiance. So we started out in this industry where everybody wanted to have parties, throw ragers, like everyone wants to be at like a hip hop concert. That's cool. I want to be at that too. But there are other demo there are other groups of people, there's other consumer demographics. 60% of new cannabis consumers are women here in the state of Michigan. Um, there are other people that that kind of like really hyper cannabis culture doesn't necessarily touch or doesn't feel comfortable in engaging or inviting for other groups of people, right? So I really looked at it as like wanting a place where I could invite a group of people that had an aesthetically pleasing vibe that felt safe, that was well lit, that had parking, that had beautiful seating vignettes that was designed to make people feel comfortable, safe, at home, like they could hang out there, like they could invite anyone, that anyone that walked in the door would feel welcome. And that's something that hospitality it. professionals can do because we've always worked with such a diverse network of people. So I think those are probably my it. top three differentials um, that I really look for in an experience. Yeah. I, if I'm going to spend money and go yeah. out, I want it to be worth it. I want it to be valuable. I want it to be able to be fun and engaging, but also educational and like, 
I'm giving something back. I'm supporting people that I believe in. What's the address? What time can I be there? What are the hours? I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Well, right now, <laughs> I'm sold. Right now, right now. So, um, so, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll come there too. <laughs> Wherever. <laughs> I love it. Now, now you mentioned earlier, I'm going to circle back. You had mentioned Roadbox. So from the regulatory perspective, the federal, the Banking Act, and all the different rules and regulations, which Roadbox roadblock removal would be best for what you're doing with your lounge if you had to sell if dre had 10 million i have no i let's assume i had political power if you could just remove one roadblock was it descheduling the cannabis is it getting the banking act which one would give your business the most injection of momentum for us it would be banking because it would allow us to be able to utilize like a bank loan or a construction loan to get started rather than having to have so much flush capital right at the beginning i think that is the biggest roadblock in general in cannabis is capital right like the market is not great right now it is certainly not stable People kind of threw all their dollars like into that pot, no pun intended, really, really <laughs> and with the expectation that they were going to get this huge return on their investment, right? Very quickly. And when that didn't happen, the money kind of dried out. For us being women, there are so many other opportunities that we could take um, like advantage of from like a small business loan, from a female entrepreneurship group, from all of these different areas applying for scholarships through female founders, networks, and collectives that we can't do because just because of the genre of work we do. Um, so that makes it really difficult. So it's like in order to buy a building, right, most people would have to have like a percentage of the down payment, they can finance it, and then you could get a construction loan, right? Those roadblocks and those regulations are so different for us that, and everything is so expensive. Because it's so um, regulated, I would also say that rolls into like legal fees and counsel. Um, huge, very important part that I learned really early on. You have to have a good lawyer. You have to have a lawyer that understands the changing policies, the changing regulations, what you can and can't do, how to partner with somebody else. Um, just the structure of your company sometimes looks different because of this industry. And lawyers are expensive. And guess what? Cannabis lawyers are even more expensive because they're so specialized. So I think that's the roadblock, really, just to generalize it, is it's so specialized and it's so niche that there aren't a lot of people that are doing it the right way. So there's not a lot of access to money and resources unless you're an already established multi-million dollar company. So when you had mentioned before that in Michigan, people could come to your house and smoke cannabis, is it a law or is it already approved that if you had a venue, people can come there like a, a cigar lounge, but now it's a cannabis lounge. 
So the law support that is just building the capital to get it done. Or does the law say you can only do it in the comfort of your home with friends and you can't do it in a public setting? Is that what the difference is? It's dicey here because there's also real estate zoning regulations as well. So you can't just buy a building or retrofit an already established lounge or bar if that property parcel is not zoned for a cannabis business. And in Michigan, your city or municipality can say, we're opting out. We don't want that. So. Oh, I see. So it's, it's basically, you can be zoned for a gas station or zoned for a candy shop or zoned for a bar. But if you're not zoned for cannabis, it has its own unique zoning. And that's another hurdle. Oh, I didn't realize it went down to that level. Wow. So the state level just is a, a Yeah, you can't just like type in a database and just look for like commercial property, right? So you can find like the coolest spot. I know Andrea like late last year found like a super cool spot and we were digging in and maybe gonna lease it and the landlords and then Right at the end, the landlord decided, like, "Oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with cannabis," and that that's their right, right? Um, even though their property fell in a zone of real estate where we could have had a cannabis business, so yeah, it's and again, this is where like proper legal counsel comes in too, because I can review laws and rules and regulations that change. I mean, really very quickly, sometimes quarterly, I can review all of those and really not have a comprehensive understanding of like what that language means, right? And then start digging in and getting into this property and wanting to do renderings and hiring an architect and getting a builder then to just have, you know, the municipality or the city commission or the state of Michigan say, no, that municipality has opted out. You can't do that there. So it already kind of narrows your search. Um, yeah. And for us, for a cannabis consumption lounge, right? Like vibe, the way it looks on the outside neighborhood, like all of that is really important. So the criteria starts you know, getting long and then the list of areas that you can search out narrows and you're kind of stuck. And I would like to say Andrea and I are kind of stuck in this hamster wheel right now of like, what comes yeah. first, the money or the property, the property or the money, like we need the money to get the property, but you need the property to get your license from the state of Michigan right, address right. to put on the application. So it's like, and I've never done this before, right? A lot of people who do this are real estate. Right. I'm learning as I go because I want to learn how to do it myself so that I know how to do it myself. Um, and Andrea and I are really scrappy and we're hustlers. So we're just figuring it out as we go. You have your work cut out for you. So let me ask you this. Um, you've shared a lot, which we both really appreciate. You know, the world of cannabis, it's so, you know, there's so much stigma around it. And uh, with the past few guests we've had, yourself included, 
it's helped to really destigmatize it. So uh, let me just say thanks for that. So before we get to the final four, one question for you. What's one thing that most people don't know about you that you wish they knew? I can come off very, very um, blunt and to the point and direct but I'm actually a very, very deep empath and I feel lots of feelings too. So what people mm. think may not offend me or not make me feel upset or maybe I they think I'm not thinking anything of it, I'm up at 11 p.m. like overanalyzing it and thinking about ways that I could have responded or done better, or be better, or do things better. Mm. Um, so I would say that. Wow, deep empath. That's nice. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Well, as a final four question, we're going to move into the final four. Think of it like this. You're at your cannabis lounge, and there's three four chairs at the table. Who would you want to have in the other three seats if you're there? One seat is you, and the other three at your lounge eating gummies, drinking cannabis beverages, or eating, uh, I guess, uh, what is it, brownies or whatever cannabis consumption in your lounge, your lounge, because that means we got beyond all the money, all of the licenses, all the municipality rules, but who would you want to have at your table and why? Oh my gosh. Three others. I have to pick three. Okay. Um, <laughs> Martha Stewart, Snoop Dogg, and Michelle Obama. Martha. Snoop Dogg, and why? I like it. I like it because they all really resonate with me. Um, I'm a mom. I'm super domestic. I love a beautiful like cocktail display, hors d'oeuvres display. I love to entertain. Hospitality is in my blood, so I would love to meet Martha Stewart. I think she's a badass um, female entrepreneur who has made something out of a hobby that she was good at and loves. And she also has a vested stake in cannabis, mm -hmm. so I think that's interesting. I would love to hear about her relationship with Snoop. And I'm a 90s. Yeah. So, like, Snoop, Dr. Dre, Tupac, Notorious, Old Jay-Z. Okay, the chronic. <laughs> the chronic. That's my okay. logic CD binder, you know, where you would take them. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, Sarah. I see you, Sarah. So I would say okay because of that, and because he's also a dad and a husband, and so I'd love to hear just about his life and his journey. And Michelle Obama, for the same reason, I think that. She is one of the strongest female mentors and role models for not only fierce, strong, young black women, but women in general. And I think that Michelle's one of those people where it's like, yeah, my husband's president, but like you all know who really runs the show. Like, you know who managed. <laughs> He's just the front man. Well, yeah, I mean, she's I the really puppet master. He's the puppet. If I brought any of my sons in here right now, they would tell you. They would tell. You. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Have you had a chance to read her book yet? Yeah, I've read her book. The, her, her, her first one. Phenomenal. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. 
Yeah. So uh, what's been your greatest success? Professionally or personally? What's been your greatest success? Um, I would say my greatest success is really as as much as I possibly can being able to manage being a mom and also being an entrepreneur. And Mm. it's really hard and there's no work-life balance, but Mm. I'm able to do that because I have a phenomenal partner who is not afraid Mm -hmm. to be married to a strong woman who is doing her own Mm. thing and he allows me to be me and embraces all of those facets. And when mama's gotta work, then dad's got to pick up the kids from school. So I would say like yeah. that I think that that would be, I would call that my biggest success is being able to manage my family and also have them see what it looks like to have a mom who goes after what she wants and works really hard. And you have three boys, is that right? I do. Yeah. My mom has three boys. I have, I have two brothers. Uh, and I have, I have a number of siblings, but my mom has three boys. And I always tell her the reason that she has three boys is because God realized the amount of patience that she has. Because <laughs> no, not everybody can handle having three boys. It's, it's, a, it's a whole other you know, world. Am I right? Yeah, and you know, it is just a different scene here. Like right before I was logging on, I was literally like yelling in the hallway because everyone was yeah, screaming right. and like people were like knocking right. in the walls and I'm just like, you guys. Right, oh, right. Yeah, it's a lot, but <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. don't, I don't know. I never, I, I don't, I, yeah, I never crave like the daughter vibe. I think daughters can be right too i mean i remember i was alive. sure just different i still am yeah it's just different tell me what is your superpower what is something that's uniquely you superman flies the hulk has his strength and the flash is really really fast what is sarah tupper's superpower i have the ability to be able to relate to a diverse group of people and a new person on being able to find something in common Wow, that's great. Awesome. That's good, yeah. So you clearly have had a dynamic life, right? If you were to write a book about it, what would the title be? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's a really good question. Don't bite your tongue. I mean, like, yeah. Like, my first thing was, like, this thing. My husband and I always, like, yeah. Um my husband's name is brian and we always like joke around that if we were if we had like a reality show like an mtv 90s reality show it just would be called yeah yeah yeah. and brian are always really trying because it always feels like it like like we just got to get to the end of the day and then things will calm down next day starts and yeah yeah the end of this week and we're good to go we're coasting and so yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, you guys. Um, <laughs> I might have to think on that. I might email you guys that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, 
I, I like Sarah and Brian. Always try it. That's a nice title. That works. Yeah, that works. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, this has been most enlightening. I really want to thank you for taking the time, especially on a Sunday, to speak with us and to share your your vision, your mission, your your lounge, and your experiences. So thank you very much for being I on really the podcast. I really appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome, and I've been I've listened to a few older episodes. So like. Andrea, Andrea told me like what a great experience it was. So I have to ask you two, are you cannabis consumers? I haven't tried it yet. No, I'm afraid. Let me tell you a story real quick. So watching, you know, different, different people, um, different, uh, um, celebrities use it like Seth Rogen. And I, and I, I want to hear, uh, um, Smiley's input here. Seth Rogen, he's a, he's a avid, you know, cannabis consumer. He obviously Snoop Dogg too. Cannabis. I'm sorry. Seth was saying that he shared cannabis with a friend of his, I figure who it was. And that friend after smoking it was like, just like gone, like freaking out and didn't sure, wasn't sure where he was and what he was doing. So since then, since then, Seth is like, I'm very mindful of who I share my cannabis with because this isn't the, this isn't the everyday cannabis. So a lot of things I'm learning from you and Andrea and, and Elizabeth is that, you know, this, I didn't know this before, is that you have to be mindful of, you know, what you're consuming, how you're consuming it and, you know, where you're consuming it, et cetera. There's a lot of factors come into play which is one of the reasons why i really haven't you know explored it plus i'm not very daring <laughs> so yeah that so that, that, to answer your question i haven't yet no smiling so my, my direct answer is in college and i graduated in 88 i was a cannabis traditional legacy weed user but then when i got a job they were like we were drug tested so i haven't touched anything uh yeah, I haven't touched anything since 88. However, yeah. I am an investor in several cannabis companies. So I'm coming in from the private equity side where we invested in quite a, like two or three different cannabis companies. So once that regulation is, uh, the banking act occurs and it's descheduled, then I'll be definitely uh, receiving some rewards from that, but I'm in, I'm in, I'm on the tangential side of uh, cannabis because I understand what the companies I invested in, what they're doing, and how they're making money and how they're trying to make their impact. So, from an investment side, I am using cannabis, but from personal, <laughs> I'm not. Okay. I'm not doing All anything. right. Okay. So when you guys are ready to like reopen that door, right, or like dip your toe in. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have a, like, a yeah. group of people where you feel. Yes. Included, comfortable. We'll take it. Right, so, right. We we'll ask questions. To you because we can help you kind of like have your own your own journey, right? Like just like everybody has a personal journey with all of the different things that they use for health and wellness, and you know all of your tools. That's right. So we can help you with that. That's right. Well, I don't want to speak for Dre, but whenever you open your lounge, the grand opening, I will come and consume a beverage in your lounge whenever it's Perfect. open. So hopefully that'll be sooner <laughs> than later. <laughs> but just let me know whenever you say the grand opening. Okay. Let me know, and then I'll fly up so we up can up. come and I'll, I'll be there. In we'll your have you guys, I'll be there. Please I'll be do. We'll have you guys do a live podcast. 
That'll work too. That, that'll be great. <laughs> that'll be great. Yeah, looking forward to it. But yeah, like Smiley said, really appreciate you being on, Sarah. It's been awesome. Um, and much success to you and Andrea going forward uh, together and also individually. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. I hope the same for both of you. So anything we can do to help you, let us know. 